everyone. Welcome to the Parenting Balance Podcast. My name is Kelly Williams. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and an ADHD parenting expert by experience. I'm here with my partner. Hi, I'm Teresa Van Pelt. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and anxiety parenting expert by experience. And for the past 10 years, Kelly and I have had a family practice in Florida. This podcast is for parents who want to really understand what's going on with ADHD and anxiety so you can ditch the chaos and feel confident and happy again. Hi guys, thanks for joining us today. I'm here with my co-host Kelly. Today we're going to talk about talk about a topic that lots of parents ask us about. This is a really big one. And it is video games. How do we know if our kids are addicted to video games? I think everyone's listening now. Right? Okay. <laughs> tuning in. So here's the thing, like becoming a professional gamer is a thing. That's a real live job now. Yeah. Who would have known? I know. Right? Like it's sort of like being a YouTuber. You know, these things didn't exist, what, like five years ago? Right. Okay, so the world is shifting, you know, really. All right, but um, the thing is that video games really do kind of hold a special attraction for kids with non-neurotypical brains. It's exciting. It is, and it's reinforcing in in a way that is really um, perfect for... A non-neurotypical brain. I can't, you know, when I was at the national, the international conference on ADHD a couple of years ago, the keynote speaker was a guy, the CEO of this company where they are designing prescription video games. Wow. So they're developing this, the reinforcement mechanism of the video games. They're kind of trying to target that toward learning certain things it's really quite fascinating you know and the the lure of it is real it's it is they're very very attractive to certain kids so and the thing that i like about video games i think you know not everything's great about them and they get a bad rap sometimes but something that i do love about them is that kids can practice failing and they're not doing it in front of anyone. So they can fall in a soft place, you know? They can have their meltdown, they can cry, and they're not in front of friends. Like if they're on a baseball team, if they're on a baseball team and they strike out, they're gonna lose it in in front front of of everyone. everyone. And then they're embarrassed. And then, you know, so then, you know, for kids with social anxiety that it's hard to be around people to begin with and they're overthinking everything. Um, But kids with ADHD, they're, they, ha- they feel things so intensely, and they need to practice this. Yeah. So you're right. There's a level of emotional safety that comes along with the video games. And the other thing is that they aren't um, – it's not so critical, right? Like, it's not like everything is wrong, like kind of in school. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you didn't do this right. Big red circle with the pen. And right. X, and then you know, wrong. Yeah. You, you didn't and get the right answer. to get the chance to try again, 
right away most of the time well and that's the whole reinforcing thing about them is video games are sort of designed to evolve with the player and so the mistakes that you're making you're learning from each one of those mistakes it's kind of built into how you develop a video game and so it it it's not so punitive if you will right the Mm -hmm. mistakes are not so punitive so it is all the way around a really much, you know, kind of less emotionally intense environment, I think, for and this is kids a, who are sensitive that yeah, way. Yeah, and this is a really good um, place where parents can validate their kids' emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, when a kid loses, you could be like, man, I'm sorry. Like, I know that you've been working so hard at that. That must be really disappointing. You know, and that would be for a really in-tuned parent Mm -hmm. because that's – I am not that parent. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. And that's another thing. We're not all the same. We're not. And the thing for me is, like, I grew up – my outlet was sports Mm -hmm. and activity and being outside and running and soccer and diving and these – all these – I did every single sport that there was except for basketball Mm because I'm a little short. But – You know, the thing about the video gaming that really, I think, worries me as a parent is the lack of movement, the lack of physical activity. And I'm a little, I got to admit, I'm a little preoccupied with that. Um, And so that's why ever since the beginning, now since my son was little, our currency, if you will, has always been minutes of screen time Mm -hmm. that's worked for him I don't know what like since he was five maybe like he's really you know and then what happened was in elementary school well I guess he was in sixth grade so the first year of middle school the guidance counselor at the school turned me on to this middle school that has a video game design curriculum and she was like, hey, your kid's perfect for this. Not perfect for him because he's like hooked into school now. That's right. Well, here's the catch, you know. The school that he's enrolled in, it has both his very favorite thing in the world, which is video game design now or video games, but it has a really rigorous academic curriculum. So it, that's kind of the balance. Like that's kind of the leverage. Like, hey... You have to work really hard over here on the academics, but if you do that, then you get to do this over here, your favorite thing. Right. You know? And that's kind of what I'm always teaching parents about in my practice is about how to, and we did an episode about internal motivation, right? Mm -hmm. Like how to make meaningful the things that we want our kids to be doing. So... We took his passion for video games and have literally said, okay, you can go to the school that's all about video games, but you have to be all in advanced classes. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's taking AP courses and he's, you know, doing all these things. So that's kind of the, I don't have to coerce him with coerce <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I, I don't have to uh it's late at night here, nag guys. him yeah i don't have to nag him to do whatever all he has to do all i have to say is look if you want to be a video game designer this is the path you picked you know and 
So, so Taylor. He's figuring that out on his own. Yeah. See, I was lucky. I have a, a boy, I have a son who's 17 who loves soccer. Yeah. His life is soccer. I love soccer. Yes, he loves soccer. And there was a story That's how about we how, met. Yeah. how I met my work wife, Kelly. Um, <laughs> 20 years ago on the soccer field. Right. I wasn't a player because I'm her I, husband. Yeah. Her I, husband was the goalie. <laughs> I, yeah, I have two left feet when it comes to sports. I'm afraid of the ball. But anyway, my son loves it. And that, I think, really has helped him deal with his emotions. He's pretty, um, I don't know what the word yeah, would be. Yeah, team sports. I mean, you know, it makes you practice all of the skills, you know? But that's what he loves. I can't change it. I could I can't make him into a gamer. And trust me on this one. I tried to get my kid to yeah, love it just soccer. Wasn't him. I know. I know. Just not his interest. I know. So I had to be the one to make the shift and figure out how to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I talk about this a lot, like on these parent groups for ADHD and I jump on there and try to answer questions and help people out. And, um, I don't know, there was this one question that where parents were saying, Oh my God, what do I do? What do I do about all the gaming? And my response was, we'll try to channel it into like, you can direct it into what you want, you know? And I mean, like six people were like, tell me more about that. How did you do this? You know? And so I kind of explained that in Florida where we live, our academic options we have a lot of a a big variety of academic options here because we have lots of charter schools and lots of just education is is a little different i think than in other places in the country where it is um standardized and the same for everyone yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so i do feel lucky about that but um but if you don't have that option, what can parents do at home Right for this? Well, so the thing is you can still, there's plenty of online programs, right? Like there's code, learn how to code. There's, you know. Summer programs. Oh, yeah. Well, and even the technology industry is so far ahead of our academic system that companies are, you know, having contests and having um, competitions and kids can competitively get involved in these things, right? I mean, every year Google does a contest for people to design whatever their, um, you know, that thing is when you turn on your phone and you do a search, the background, like whatever Mm -hmm. that image is, you know, these are all incentives for budding technology students to get involved. And really what's happening is the companies, they can't wait for kids to get a four-year degree in college. So I think that the um, employment landscape in the future is shifting. I don't think we even know what it's going to be like in 10 years. We can't even predict what it's going to be like in 10 years absolutely with technology and you know we're like the first generation of parents who are experiencing this idea where our kids are going to grow up and have opportunities and jobs that we don't even know what they are yet 
I think that's so cool. I know. That's so exciting. It's it so can cool. be. It can be really exciting. But I know you, and I know that you aren't an advocate and say, okay, my son's really good at this, and he really loves this, and I'm going to nurture it, and I'm going to let him play all the time. That's oh, not what you're saying, no. right? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Because here's the thing is um, when, you know, there's a limit, you know, and so we've had to really negotiate kind of the boundaries there. So absolutely. Um, He would do video games all day, every day if he had his way. But there's absolutely a need for parents to set limits and boundaries with the gaming time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how we did that, it was such a passion for him. This is a sort of a strategy that I call leaving the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. Mm -hmm. So every single day he had a guaranteed amount of gaming time. And when he was little, maybe it was like 30 minutes a day. No matter what happened at school, if it was a good day, a bad day, no matter what. Yeah, and that's important. Do not take that got, away. Yeah, well, when I when I considered, here's how I learned not to take that away, is that when I considered taking it away, he would become so preoccupied with being worried or sad or angry that he wasn't going to get his gaming time, that nothing, you know, we couldn't do anything. He mm-hmm. He couldn't function. So that was when I realized, like, this is so important to him that there has to be sort of a guarantee. So that's his, he gets to... There's a baseline. That's his coming home and having a glass of wine, because he can't do that. (laughs) And that's probably not the most healthy thing to do all the time, (laughs) but, you know. Well, it's like, yeah, his recovery. His recovery from efforting at school or Mm -hmm. from whatever it is, yeah. So he has a set amount of time. A set amount of time, guaranteed every day that you can do the gaming. And now, of course, he's older. And instead of 30 minutes, it's it's more like an hour and a half. It's supposed to be an hour, but the games always last longer than an hour. So, you know, but okay, so there's a guaranteed amount of time. And then he can earn more time by, you know, doing the other things that you have to do. And that would be whatever you're targeting at that moment. Yeah. Whatever behaviors you're targeting. Yeah. So this summer, for example, now he's a rising 10th grader and we're trying to give him a little more responsibility. So um, this summer he's got a list and we write it out, you know, uh, and it has a menu of choices. So he gets to choose, you know, one chore, one exercise one sort of creative endeavor and of course reading you know right so those are kind of the things that every day he has to do those activities so it sounds like you have flexible structure you have the structure in place but he has the flexibility to choose he gets a menu that's right so it isn't like i'm saying you have to do this i'm saying you have to do something in this category during this period of time. Mm -hmm. So the current plan, which we always implement, you know, we always have a meeting and we negotiate the plan. And then the first week of the plan is sort of an experiment because we have to make sure that the plan is going to work for everyone, including me, the parent, you know, my husband and I, like... You guys have to enforce it. Well, that, and it has to be a fit, you know, Mm because sometimes you can 
have an idea and, and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to agree to this, but then realize I can't, I'm not able to enforce that or monitor that or whatever it is. And I want to, I want to touch on this because it's really important for um, parents to understand that one of the things about video games and kids with ADHD is that they provide an opportunity for kids to hyper-focus. Mm-hmm. And what that means is like if you've ever kind of read a book and you sort of get lost in the story, you know, your your brain is in it. Your imagination is going. You're all in. And speaking for for someone with, with ADHD, it feels good <laughs> to yeah. be locked in. Yeah, it's... It may be the only opportunity that you get in any given day to actually full on like attend to one thing and not feel really distracted or, you know, right? Like, like having to effort so much. It's a pretty effortless state of being and it does feel good and it's really reinforcing to people. Um, So it's important to have that opportunity, but at the same time, we have to understand that we, that you know the problem of ADHD isn't a deficit of attention it's a deficit of regulation and so kind of maybe in episode 8 we talked about mindfulness and being aware in the moment of you know just what you're doing at any given moment when you're in hyper focus you are not aware. no awareness yeah you're in no this- awareness this so chamber. the goal, yeah. So the goal is always to put in place the tools to to help our kids have awareness while they're doing. And I know you've talked about what you talk about in a previous episode about what you do with the clock. You have the a big clock, clock, mm-hmm. and you guys negotiate a time. That's you know, right. You get off at this time. Mm-hmm. I think he writes it down, maybe. I don't remember. He used to when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't have to anymore. But yeah, we all, we talk about time. We talk about the passage of time. We look at the clock and say, what time is it now? So that he can begin to learn how to feel time passing when he's immersed in his favorite activity. Because that, that lack of awareness... Um, you know, it just, you have to learn how to, to develop that. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Well, and so you're teaching them the skills that they need to learn in the way that they're going to learn it. That's right. Because it's not like, you know, we can't say to them, oh, you can't have any video. I mean, we can say this. I don't think it's the most effective thing. But you could say, okay, you can't have any video games, right? So your kid grows up and they go get their own place or whatever. First thing they do is go out and get a video game, right? And now the stakes are higher because it isn't like you're missing bedtime and sleepy for school in the morning, but you're... You might sleep through your alarm clock and miss not work. Not go to work or go to college or whatever it is. That's right. So these this awareness bit about like what's happening outside of you while you're doing this thing that you love, that's kind of the key. It's not to not to try to shift the thing that you love, but it's like, okay, you love this. Now, how can we help you to function well when you're doing this, you know? I love it. Yeah, so that's kind of the, um, you know, I thought of the title of this episode to be kind of like 
this video games? Is it a blessing or a curse, mm, right? Yeah. So for our family, you know, it depends on the day. Yeah. Really. Well, and it's that balance. Everything yeah. is about the balance. It is. It's and finding that balance. About the balance. So here's your takeaway for today. Um, you know, the point of performance is the place where Russell Barkley talks about um, that that the learning that needs to occur has to happen at the point of performance. And so if we're going to structure time for our kids while they're doing their video games, and we definitely want to do that, initially, until they learn how to feel time and how to how to transition from the activity they really enjoy to something else, which if they're really into video games, there's nothing else they enjoy that much, right? <laughs> right. We, as parents, we have to be there at that point of performance. We can't say to them, okay, go play your game and then get off of it in an hour and I'll be home in three hours or whatever and I expect you to just be able to do that all by yourself, right? That's yeah, not going to happen. That's not realistic. It's not. Setting the child up to fail. It's not. And so often that is the reality, you know, because parents have to work or making dinner or whatever it is. So, but with just a little bit of kind of planning and mindfulness and prioritizing, like for example, we, I got a uh, Google Home maybe yeah. in this little round speaker, you know, and I stick that right there next to his alarm clock. And when I'm coming home from the office, I can say a message like, hey, heads up, <clears throat> mom's on her way home. You better get off to cue him. Mm -hmm. To do his thing. And so it's also not realistic to say timer's up. It's time to get off because that's, you know, like to have some kind of. That's a hard stop. Yeah. You don't want to do a hard stop. I mean, at least well, that's what I do with, with anxiety and the families I work with. You kind of, you build in a system for them to start. Transitioning. Yeah. 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 So and that's your transition. Like I'm on my way home. You know how long it takes me to get there. So you need to. That's right. Wrap it up. That's right. That's right. So? I think that kind of sums it up. It does. Um, and if you guys have any other questions, we would love for you to share those with us. Um, join our community on Facebook at Parenting Balance Podcast Community on Facebook. And you can ask questions you can make suggestions for future episodes we would love to hear from you and this actually wraps up our season one season one is done and season two is full of so many exciting interviews interviews with people you are definitely going to want to listen to people that you probably didn't even know like things you didn't even know existed so it's really exciting it is so thanks for joining us and wrapping up season one Thank you for listening to the Parenting Balance podcast. To join our mailing list, go to parentingbalance.com slash podcast. When you join, you will be notified of upcoming live Q&As. You can help us plan future episodes. We'd love to hear comments and questions. You can reach us by email, hello at parentingbalance.com. And if you found this information helpful, please share it with anyone else who can benefit. And subscribe and give us a rating on your podcast platform. And until then, remember, different isn't wrong.